Welcome to St James, a Scottish Episcopal Church in Leith. This podcast features edited highlights from our Sunday service held on September 18th, 2022. To find out how to join us and for more general information, please go to www.stjamesleith.org.uk. everybody. Uh, Welcome to our service this morning on the theme of listening uh, to the rain uh, because we're in creation time in the Episcopal Church calendar. So our service today is a celebration of creation and the grace of God that surrounds us. But before Joe starts uh, leading the service I'd like to say a few words because I'm aware again um, pastorally how significant the impact of the Queen's passing has been on people uh, in very surprising ways Um, and whatever people's views on the monarchy she has been a constant in our lives in what I think is an ever increasing unstable world so on the website there is a prayer but there is also um, on the opening page you can click on to Bishop John's address uh, which I think is a very uh, powerful address that he gave last Sunday If you'd like to read it, um, I have passed it on to a few people and they have found it helpful. Um, Also tonight, there is a national uh, minute silence at 8 p.m. for the whole nation. Uh, In a way, it would be nice if we could do something here, but because uh, uh, the building's needed by Lee School of Art in the morning, uh, John needs to get in earlier. So I thought we'd start our service with a a minute silence so collectively we can pay uh, our respect this morning as we light our candles, which we normally do, and invite people at home to light their uh, candles. So we have a minute's um, silence uh, as a sign of respect before handing over uh, to Joe, who will lead our service. So if you would uh, please stand and we can just uh, observe that minute silence while I light the candle um, and then I'll say a prayer. Let us pray. Majestic God whose throne is in heaven, whose footstool is the earth, we thank you for your servant Elizabeth your faithful servant, our beloved Queen. As we mourn her passing, we give thanks for her witness of devoted service, unfailing wisdom, compassionate generosity, and faithful dedication. And pray that we may embrace her values and build your kingdom today and always. Amen. A very warm welcome to our service this morning, and we begin with our opening prayer. With nature in its power and beauty, with rain and wind and sunshine, with the ancient rocks and the budding flower, we gather in praise of God. With believers and seekers the whole world wide, with people in every land and speakers of every language, We gather in praise of God. 
with the angels and saints in heaven and with all who have worshipped in this place, we gather in praise of God. With Jesus, who promised his presence, and the Spirit who showers her blessings, we gather in praise of God. Here let heaven and earth embrace. Here may God's people find home. We stand and sing our first song, a real blast from the past. Morning has broken. Speak for yourself. <laughs> All right, let's sing this wonderful song together, shall we? in God's forgiveness, let us in silence confess our failings and acknowledge our part in the pain of the world. Come home to yourselves and to each other. May all that is unfree in you be released and may you blossom into a future graced with love. Amen.
Richard is now going to read from us from home, The Rain and the Rhinoceros. So this is um, a piece by Thomas Burton, a Cistercian monk, and he wrote an essay called Rain and the Rhinoceros. We're not going to hear much about the rhinoceros in this reading, which can be found in a wonderful book called Raids on the Unspeakable. Merton wrote it after a night sitting in the dark listening to the rain fall on his secluded cabin, tucked away in the woods. The rain surrounded the hermitage as quietly and mysteriously, as comprehensively as grace or love can surround the human spirit. The rain seemed to have no origin except its own spontaneity, no purpose except its own rhythm, no limit except its own boundary. The rain he describes is unrelenting, godlike in its pervasiveness and its gentleness, in the relief it brings and the challenges it poses. The darkness makes the rain mysterious. The sound is everywhere, and yet one sees nothing. Merton tells us, as he sits absolutely alone, deep in the forest late at night, about the rain. Let me say this before rain becomes a utility that they can plan and distribute for money. By they, I mean the people who cannot understand that rain is a festival, who do not appreciate its gratuity, who think that what has no price has no value, that what cannot be sold is not real, so that the only way to make something actual is to place it on the market. The time will come when they sell you even the rain. At the moment it is still free and I am still in it. I celebrate its gratuity and its meaninglessness. The rain I am in is not like the rain of cities. It fills the woods with an immense and confused sound. It covers the flat roof of the cabin with insistent and controlled rhythms. And I listen because it reminds me again and again that the world runs by rhythms I have not yet learned to recognize, rhythms that are not those of the engineer. <clears throat> the night became very dark. <clears throat> the rain surrounded the whole cabin with its enormous virginal myth, a whole world of meaning, of secrecy, of silence, of rumor. Think of it, all that speech pouring down, selling nothing, judging nobody, drenching the thick mulch of dead leaves, soaking trees, filling the gullies and crannies of the wood with water, washing out the places where men have stripped the hillside. What a thing it is to sit absolutely alone 
in the forest at night, cherished by this wonderful, unintelligible, perfectly innocent speech, the most comforting speech in the world, the talk that rain makes by itself all over the ridges and the talk of the watercourses everywhere in the hollows. Nobody started it, nobody is going to stop it. It will talk as long as it wants, this rain. As long as it talks, I will listen. Of course, the festival of rain cannot be stopped, even in the city. The woman from the delicatessen scampers along the sidewalk with a newspaper over her head. The streets, suddenly washed, become transparent and alive and the noise of the traffic becomes a splashing of fountains. One would think that urban man in a rainstorm would have to take account of nature in its wetness and freshness, its baptism and its renewal. But the rain brings no renewal to the city, only tomorrow's weather, and the glint of windows and tall buildings will then have nothing to do with the new sky. All Reality will remain somewhere else inside those walls, counting itself and selling itself with fantastically complex determination. Meanwhile, the obsessed citizens plunge through the rain, bearing the load of their obsessions, slightly more vulnerable than before, but still only barely aware of external realities. They do not see the streets shine beautifully, that they themselves are walking on stars and water, that they are running in the skies to catch a bus or a taxi, to shelter somewhere in the press of irritated humans, the faces of advertisements and the dim sound of unidentified music. But they must know there is wetness abroad. Perhaps they even feel it. I cannot say. The Gospel is written in the Gospel according to St. John, the first chapter, beginning at the first verse. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things came into being through him, and without him not one thing came into being. What has come into being in him was life, and the life was the light of all people. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify to the light so that all might believe through him. He himself was not the light, but he came to testify to the light, the true light, which enlightens everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world came into being through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to what was his own, and his own people did not accept him. But to all who received him, who believed in his name, he gave power to become children of God who were born not of blood or of the will of the flesh or of the will of man, but of God. And the word became flesh and lived among us, 
and we have seen his glory. The glory as of a father's only son, full of grace and truth. This is the gospel, good news for all. Praise to you, O Christ. Let us pray. Loving God, may you give us the grace to listen to the rain in whatever way that means for each of us individually, that we may see the grace that abounds in our world. Amen. Thank you. We've so unusually gone away from uh, Bible reading to listen to that story uh, from Thomas Merton. I want to tell you a story uh, from my life uh, which has acted as a parable. I think all of us will have stories that actually when we reflect they're almost like modern day parables. And it's when I was a student in Aberdeen I went uh, to Kenya with a a medic uh, called Keith Murray and and I just say never go on holiday with medics. (laughs) They're absolutely mad. Um, Keith had a we, we once sauntered up Mount uh, Kenya from sea level to 15,000 feet one day with trainers on and no acclimatization to the point where my breathing at 13,000 feet, you, go, you have chain stroke breathing, which is like, <gasps> and then you don't breathe for a while. And I thought I was going to die. And he just said, ah, don't worry, that's just train, chain stroke breathing. We got to a hut about 15 thousand feet. Um, I did refuse to do the last bit. Last two thousand feet you have to climb and I just said that's that's enough Keith. Well let's just stay here and the coldest night of my life. But anyway Keith had this idea that we'd go to an unknown part of Kenya right in the north called Lodwa where no sort of white person he felt had ever been and we were on the back of this truck full of grain sacks for about 12 hours and we arrive in Lodwa, which is very dry, and thinking there was no white person, we were the first, you know, Livingston arriving. <laughs> anyway, in the distance, uh, there was a, a hut uh, uh, that they said uh, would provide refreshments, and we arrived, and there was this Glas- Glaswegian there. <laughs> and uh, I thought, you must have done something really bad in your life. <laughs> to run away to a place like this. Anyway, if you imagine uh, everyone met in this, it was like a bar. People were playing cards, um, telling stories, and he was telling a story. He had a scar all the way down here in his stomach, and he was grandly telling the story about how he fell off a balcony when he was drunk, and how if he hadn't been drunk, he would have killed himself. I did point out that if he hadn't been drunk, he might not have (laughs) fell off the balcony in the first place. But anyway, he carried on with his story. And there was sort of noise and uh, imagine a sort of lively uh, pub, Porto Leith, if you've ever been, sort of that kind of atmosphere um, uh, with beer flowing and drinking. And then suddenly it started to rain and it went completely silent. Absolutely, completely silent. And I don't know how long that silence lasted for. Maybe 20 minutes. And it was just an astonishing 
moment um, I, that will stay with me. And I talked to uh, the Glaswegian man, who I can't remember his name, I said, well, what, why was that? He said, it's not rained for two years. Not rained for two years. And so I've always had that in the back of my mind. I always had listen to the rain. Just stop long enough to listen to the rain as a kind of metaphor for my life. And then later I read this um, reading from Thomas Merton that sort of, uh, I suppose, expressed what my feelings were of listening to that rain. And in that first reading by Thomas Merton, he uses the word rhinoceros, which is, uh, refers to a title of a play by Eugene uh, Ionesco, which exposes what the playwright calls the tyranny of usefulness. In other words, the reduction of human value to practicality, utility, consumerism, and market economics. Ionesco wanted a flower to be a flower, existence to be existence, justified in their own right, without reference to utility to, to have any meaning. And the play alerts us, therefore, to the celebration of life on its own terms. It indicts those who are always in a rush, who have no time, who ascribe value only to that which is useful, therefore for becoming prisoners of necessity. And I think we can all relate to that. Such people in the play are depicted as a herd of rhinoceroses. And the play is an attempt to summon people to notice beauty, to preserve their individuality, to avoid the herd mentality, to honor their own conscience, and to resist the pressure to conform. And I think Merton nails the mood of this play through his reflection on rain. Ionesco could not want a more effective exposure to what he calls rhinoceritis than this monk, committed to silence, attentive to the rain in the early morning darkness of the hermitage. Merton was insistent that the contemplative life not be seen as some exotic and preserve of the few, those in monasteries, but actually a, a way of seeing the world where the ordinary becomes sacred, something that was readily available to all of us, as is the rain, with the joy and festivity it brings. He believed that grace was everywhere and that anything could be sacramental. And our first reading that James read uh, gives us a theology to underpin this idea of the sacrament of everything. It gives us a Christ-centered theology as well as a Jesus-centered theology. And the Western church, I think, has concentrated on a Jesus-centered theology at the expense of a Christ-centered uh, theology. And I'll expect explain that a little bit further because you're probably thinking aren't they the same thing but actually a Jesus uh, in our reading Jesus centered theology is there that the revelation of God in human form the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us the glory of the one and only son who came from the father full of grace and truth 
In other words, God is revealed fully in Jesus. That's a key part of our faith. But if you leave out the Christ-centered theology, which is the widest theology, uh, we are missing something. And that is that Christ, the Word, was there at the beginning of creation. It says later on, through him all things were made, without him nothing was made that has been made. And that Christ will be there also at the end, the Alpha and the Omega. And it is this Christ-centered theology that gives us this wide, wide perspective and deeper meaning to Jesus and his work of salvation, which involves all of time, all of creation, and leads us to this understanding of the sacrament of everything, and also, what I would say, a greening of our faith journey. And Karl Rahner, a Jesuit priest, said, the deepest mystery of all is the self-communication of God in the depth of existence. That is in the depths of human souls, but also in all of existence, in all life, in all creation, in animals, in all matter. God first revealed himself, herself, when matter was formed, which in our modern day creation story was uh, the Big Bang 13.8 billion years ago, they think, and continues to reveal himself, herself in creation. That's why the Franciscans and Christian mystics say there are two holy books about God. The first is creation, and the second is the Bible, and then of course the third revelation is, is Jesus himself. So we have these three revelations of God. And if ever there was a belief to underpin a green theology and place climate change, environmental issues at the center of our faith, here it is. Jürgen Moltmann, another theologian, went as far as to say, if we desecrate the natural world, we are actually crucifying Christ. It is a sacrilegious act. And one of our journeys as a community, as a congregation, is to become an eco-church. And I am uh, incredibly grateful for the practical work that Colin and Neil and Joe Demiel have done to lower uh, our carbon footprint and are still working on. But it is not really enough to have a few passionate individuals doing that. We all need a change of consciousness and a sense of spiritual awakening and reawakening for it is so easy, I think, to fall into denial and despair and apathy when we are confronted with such a, a huge uh, issue. What can we do about it? What can we do about climate change or environmental destruction? How can we recover our zeal to respond as individuals and as a community? And Thomas Aquinas tells us that zeal comes from an intense experience of seeing the beauty of things, which we can so easily miss if we are in a rush, if we become rhinoceroses. And again, the, um, I suppose the inspiration for this sermon was watching David Attenborough on a Sunday. I, did, I literally saw this beautiful um, Arctic landscape and they were filming and they'd spent the film crew and you just saw this glacier melting into the sea. I mean, just huge swathes of, uh, and it really, that really struck me and reawakened uh, what has been quite dormant, this zeal within. 
to protect our planet. And I think a good way to start is, as we say goodbye to summer, is to see the beauty of rain through our Thomas Merton reading. Merton sees it as a sacrament and extols its generosity, its honesty, and spontaneity, pointing out its complete freedom and total lack of value to any utilitarian mindset. He writes, as, as Richard read earlier, let me say this before rain becomes a utility, that they can plan and distribute for money. By they, I mean the people who cannot understand that rain is a festival, who do not appreciate its gratuity, who think that what has no price has no value, that what cannot be sold is not real, so that the only way to make something actual is to place it on the market. That is the culture we live in. The time will come when they will sell you even your rain, and the time is coming. At the moment, it is still free, and I am in it, and I will celebrate its gratuity and its meaninglessness. So sitting in the dark, Merton listens to the rain and enters into the liturgy of the rain. And as the rain fills the woods with its immense and confusing sound and falls on the roof of his hermitage, with insistent and controlled rhythms, Merton reflects. And I listen because it reminds me again and again that the whole world runs by rhythms I have not yet learned to recognize. Rhythm, rhythms that are not those of the engineer. And humbly Merton in the darkness as he listens to the speech of the rain says, think of it, all of that speech pouring down, selling nothing, judging nobody, drenching the thick mulch of dead leaves, soaking the trees, filling the gullies and crannies of the wood with water, washing out the places where men have stripped the hillside. What a thing it is to sit absolutely alone in the forest at night, cherished by this wonderful, unintelligible, perfectly innocent speech, the most comforting speech in the world, the talk that rain makes by itself all over the ridges, and the talk of the watercourses everywhere in the hollows. It will talk as long as it wants this rain, and as long as it talks, I will listen. So like Merton, let us take time to listen to the rain, whatever that may mean for each of us this day. For those in Lodwar and those living in drought regions, they will understand the gift of rain literally the gratuity of rain, the festival that it is, the life and the simple joy it brings. But for those of us blessed with precipitation, regularly wetted by grace, listening to that rain can be a metaphor that calls us to stop our incessant rush, to awaken or reawaken to the rhythm of life, to the beauty and grace that surrounds us, to be still enough to catch a note of that secret speech that reveals God hidden in the depth of existence, alluding to a festival not of our own making. Then we may increasingly get a glimpse of the sacrament and beauty of all things. So when it rains, let us hear the music of the rain and smile, appreciating its meaningless and intuiting how indispensable it is, how real and how free. 
And as we listen to what it has to say, let us celebrate its visitation, recognizing its playfulness, its recklessness, and greening power. And perhaps, and this is my hope and prayer for myself and for you, that this music of rain may awaken the mystic and the environmental activist in us all. Amen. Falling, falling, gently falling, rain from heaven so gently falling, God sends down his rain. Lord of creation, hear our prayer. As we think of creation, we think of the world, all that's good about it, and all that challenges us. We pray for peace in Ukraine. We think of all the Ukrainian refugees in Scotland, particularly those in Leith on the cruise ship. Shows how we can assist to help them to settle here. We pray for the royal family at this time. We give thanks for the long life and reign of Queen Elizabeth. And we pray for King Charles as he begins his reign for strength, for encouragement. Pray for all the arrangements for the funeral tomorrow. And perhaps for the opportunities it gives for world leaders to relate to one another as they come to the funeral. And we pray for our government, particularly the new prime minister and ministers and members of the cabinet. Lord of creation, hear our prayer. We pray for the church, for its leaders, for unity, for its ministries, for each of our individual ministries. St. James, we thank you for the music group and we pray for the group and those who lead it. Lord of creation, hear our prayer. We pray for those who are under pressure and suffering, those on low incomes who are finding it difficult to meet ends at the moment. Pray for the elderly and the sick and for all those who care for them. And we pray that we may be able to do something about climate change, to take it seriously. We pray for the people of Pakistan affected by the floods and for those parts of the world under drought. For the work of water aid throughout the world. And we give thanks that we can just turn on our taps 
and have water freely available. Lord of creation, hear our prayer. And finally, we pray for ourselves. We pray that we may be able to slow down and listen and appreciate the grace of God's world in creation and in each other. Lord of creation, hear our prayer. Amen. for feeding us 
Help us to listen to the rain. Help us to stop at times so that we can continue to be fed and nourished by you. That we may continue to see the grace and sacrament of all things. Amen. God give you grace to be faithful stewards of creation, rejoicing that you are made in God's image and seeking justice for those who do not share in the earth's bounty. And the blessing of God Almighty, the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit be with you and remain with you always. Amen. to sing our way out of the service today with the song we taught at the very beginning, Go in Peace. Set them free, set them free, set them free.